Recording in progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. This is our daily look at the Torah portion. Torah portion this week is Tetzaveh, which continues the divine instruction, the vision for the Mishkan, for the tabernacle. Last week was mainly, we'll see there's some exceptions to this, last week was mainly about the construction or the, the plans for the construction of the temple vessels, the items that were used in the, the temple, i.e. the Mishkan, the tabernacle, which were the ark and the menorah and the showbread table and the various tapestries and curtains and coverings and the panels and the pegs and the hooks and all the, all the hardware, essentially, of the Mishkan of the tabernacle. In this, in this week's Torah portion, the primary focus is on the clothing and on the priests, on the people who are going to be serving in said Mishkan in said tabernacle and what they're going to wear. So those are the major two focuses of this week's Torah portion. So let's jump in. I'm going to share my screen. Rev, with... I had a follow-up question from yesterday. Yes, 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 yes. So at the end we were discussing how the priest, the high priest, always wears his uh, potion. Clothes, yes. Potion. So, I mean, he's walking around where all day with that? He's just strolling down Fifth Avenue. No, I'm kidding. He's just hanging out in the temple. He brings a daily offering. He had a daily offering that he brought for himself. And um, he's, uh, yeah, he didn't have it. He served in the temple every day. He served in the temple every day. There were shifts of other priests that were doing stuff. But I guess he was, you know, kind of hanging around. Bit of a mentor. Where did he live? Where did he live? I feel like, um, where did he live? He had a house. He had a house. He had a family. He put on the he put on the high priest outfit when he was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put it on probably at the temple itself. He came in. He went to the mikvah. Then got dressed. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that was his deal. That was his deal. He was. He was all day, every day in the temple. Uh, but the, the law is that the high priest actually had to be married. So he's a guy, so he had a family. It's not like he lived in the temple and just lived like a spiritually sequestered life. That might be in other traditions, kind of like the, the ideal, but not in Judaism. In Judaism, the high priest actually had to be married and had to have a family and that sort of thing. And, you know, there's reasons behind that. But that's basically the scoop. So there's one thing that I wanted to mention uh, before we get into today's new... Oh, you asked us to remind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, okay. I reminded myself. So, uh, but thank you. So there's one kind of general point that I wanted to highlight about this week's Torah portion. It's the only Torah portion that does not contain... From the time that Moses is born, chronologically, it's the only Torah portion that does not contain one mention... Not even one mention of Moses' name. It does not say Moshe, Moses once in this week's Torah portion, which is extremely strange. Um, it says other things. It talks about God is speaking to Moses and giving him commandments, but it doesn't say the word Moses or in Hebrew Moshe. Not once. The commentary says something very interesting. It's because of the sin of the golden calf which we'll read about in next week's Torah portion. So next week, 
we'll read about the sin of the golden calf and how the people and how God was very upset and God wanted to destroy, God forbid, the Jewish people and how Moses went to bat for the people and he said, forgive them and if you don't, erase me from your Torah. Erase me from this book. So our sages tell us that everything that a tzaddik says, a righteous person says, has to come true, at least in some measure. So when Moshe says, forgive them or else erase me from your book, even though God forgave the people, but still his words of erase me from your book had to be fulfilled in some way, even a small way. And thus there's one Torah portion which doesn't contain the name of Moses. Moses is erased, so to speak, from one Torah portion, and that is this week's Torah portion. And by the way, this one is, if, it's almost like God was looking at which Torah portion to erase Moses' name, because he kind of, you know, ha- has to be one token portion. He says, not this one, not this one, not this one. and it goes through all the portions, back almost to where he started from with the sin of the golden calf, and like, okay, so the last one before the sin of the golden calf, that's the one that Moses' name will be erased from. So Moses does not appear in this week's Torah portion. However, the, as the Rebbe points out, although Moses' name doesn't appear, Moses is everywhere. In fact, the first word of the Torah portion is ve'atatetzaveh. You should tell the Jewish people. Who's the you? Moses. And you is even deeper than the name Moses because a name, a name is a handle, but a name is not the essence. But you, that's the essence. That's the essence. So even though his name is not mentioned, Moses is felt throughout the Torah portion. Every time it says you, it's God speaking to Moses, direct, uh, God speaking to Moses and addressing him directly, not through a name, but through a direct communication. And the Rebbe says this is because where do you see Moses, the essence of Moses, to the greatest extent? It's in his act of standing up for the Jewish people after the sin of the golden calf, telling God, Forgive them or else erase me from this book that you've written. Erase me from from your Torah. That's where we see the essence of a leader. The essence of a leader is someone who puts himself or herself on the line for what they believe in. for for, For the ones, in this case, for the ones that they are responsible for. Moses says, I'll take the heat. I'll take the fall. Whatever it is, you got to forgive the people. If not, I'm out. He, he gives God the ultimatum. That's true leadership. That's true Jewish leadership. And that's why, although Moses' name doesn't appear, his, his essence, you, appears. Okay, I hope that makes sense. That's kind of a general... Just, just yeah. to clarify, so you said in all other 51 Torah portions, his name does appear? No, from the book of Exodus on. Remember, he wasn't born yet in... Right, uh, right. But, but from the book of Exodus to the end of... Deuteronomy, he's in every single Torah portion, as you can understand. I mean, he's like the, he's a major character that features in every single narrative, except for this week's Torah portion. And the, the alleged reason is because, well, he gave God the ultimatum, and that's true. But as the Rebbe explains, it's not a negative, it's a positive. The ultimatum shows his love, shows who he really is, his true colors. And that's why his name is not present, his essence is. It's a deeper connection. It's a deeper manifestation of Moses than when you see the name, God spoke to Moses. When, when it's not, and God spoke to Moses, but rather, and God said, I want you to do this. You, okay, now you is a direct, a direct connection. 
Okay, so now, yeah. Murray, the Hebrew name for Murray, my father was Moisha. Moisha, yeah. Special name. Very special name. Okay, good. Um, <coughs> let's continue inside. Okay, so now we're up to reading number three for Tuesday. We are perfectly on track here this week. This is Exodus chapter 28, verse number 31. And we are in middle of the big day kahuna, the priestly garb. Um, you, where's the Chumash, the Gunna Kedushin? Is it around? Oh, thank you, yeah. Okay, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to grab a Chumash here. And um, Mendel, you want to say hi? You want to make a cameo? Mendel's home from Yeshiva for a few hi. days. There you go. That's Mendel. Heading back to Chicago today. Good luck, my friend. Good luck. Does he wake up at 6.30 here too to read the talk? Uh, he, he said no flatly. I'm going to say 6.45-ish. With a strong emphasis on the ish. <laughs> he's got a few days off. So he's, um, right. he's right. enjoying a little R&R. Let's put it that way. Right. Not from Judaism, but just from the rigorous schedule right. that he's usually, uh, he's usually in. Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about the, the, uh, the, the priestly garb. And you shall make the robe. Robe is called the me'il. The robe of the ephod completely of blue wool. That's a, that's a pretty robe, right? A robe made of blue, all blue. Its opening at the top shall be turned inward. I'm looking up as we speak. I'm looking up to see, uh, find a picture of this. Okay, the robe. Oh, we found it. Good. All right. So its opening at the top shall be turned inward. Its opening shall have a border around it. The work of a weaver. That's kind of like a collar type thing. It shall have an opening like the opening of a coat of armor. It shall not be torn. And on its bottom hem. So that's the top. The opening where the head goes in. And on its bottom hem. You shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and crimson wool. So little wool, kind of pomegranate-shaped decorations hanging at the tassels of the bottom hem. On its bottom hem, all around, and golden bells. In addition to these pomegranates of blue, purple, and crimson wool, have golden bells in their midst all around. Again, very pretty. You have like blue, purple, crimson wool, and then golden bells. In their midst, there's a discussion about that according to Rashi, I believe. They're interspersed. You have a uh, wool pomegranate and a golden bell and a wool pomegranate and a golden bell. And it looks something a little like this. I'm going to show you the picture from the Gunnar condition of the Chumash. Well, here. Well, I remember the, our Purim necklace, it was bells, golden-like bells on silk. Right. Silk right. Yeah. All right, close. Close. Um, I'm not going to ask like who designed it better. This is God's design. We'll be respectful. But anyway, <laughs> okay. Take a look. A fellow, this a fellow artisan with a wise heart. <laughs> that's oh exactly exactly. Okay, so this is the meal. I mean, look, it's black and white. What are you going to do? I, I would I would love to see a blue version of this. That's the that's the meal. That's the robe. And you see at the bottom that little uh, detail thing shows you the pomegranates. Made out of wool. I mean, that's 
what it is, and then the golden bells. And that was at the, at the hem, the bottom of this, of this robe. This robe we would call bell bottoms, or had bell bottoms. First instance of bell bottoms. All right, back inside. Let's jump in. A golden bell, the Torah doubles down on this, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, trying to indicate that it alternates, on the bottom hem of the robe all around. Got it. Got it. It shall be, this robe shall be on Aaron when he performs the service. This was only worn by the high priest. The other priests, all the priests, they had garments. They had four garments. I mentioned yesterday the high priest had eight garments. This is one of the exclusive garments to the high priest. So it shall be on Aaron when he performs the service. And its sound shall be heard when he enters the holy before the Lord and when he leaves so that he will not die. So what the Torah is saying is something interesting. That this robe provides a little bit of uh, um, ambiance, a little bit of sound. Right? As the Kohen, as the Kohen Gadol, as the high priest walks around doing a service, you can hear him. The bells are ringing. Right? You hear the bells. You know where he's going. Oh, here comes the high priest. I hear the bells. He's coming in. He's going out. And then God adds, so that he will not die. And that's like a bit of a threat saying that let him wear this garment that has the bells and let the sound be heard so that he won't die, which implies that if he doesn't wear this robe with the bells and he's not making noise, well, that could be a little bit dangerous for his safety and security. So here the Torah again, the Torah is clearly telling us that it's, this is not optional, it's obligatory, and it's for his own health. It's good for his own health to wear this garment. Now, so what the, when the gemstones are lighting, it's a sound and light show. It's a sound and light show, exactly. <laughs> Good. Um, let's oh, look. I put in a link that shows some color. Oh, you got some color? Okay, let's check it out. Let us check it out. One second. You open up this link. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm going to share my screen again. Let's pull this up. I think the one on the right may be an interesting, uh, I think that, that would be, that, that looks kind of the closest. Although, I don't know about the color scheme. There's a lot of gold in that one. Whatever. The one, on the, the one on the left, the bell part looks like, see at the end of the blue apron, it looks like it has the bells. Yeah, the one. Each one has a part that seems. Yeah, it seems a little bit off. Right. The guy's eyes in the middle look a little wonky. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay, so. All right, something along these lines. Right. Um, Okay, let's look back. Let's see Rashi here for a second. So, completely of blue wool, Rashi says all of the robe was blue without any other kind of color or material combined with it. Blue wool, pure, pure blue wool. Okay, Rashi, the opening at the top, that refers to the opening of the collar. Shall be turned inward, shall be folded inward, so that its fold should be a border for it. It was woven, not sewn with a needle. Okay, I guess there's a difference between the two. As a uh, non-sewer or weaver, sewing and weaving, I use personally interchangeably, clearly, 
That is not the case. All right, like the opening of a coat of armor. We learn, we learn here, and this tells us that their coats of armor have the opening folded inward like a coat of mail. Coat of mail. Okay, like a... Does anyone say a mail of armor? No, coat of mail. Ma is mail used in reference to armor? Is anyone familiar with, uh, with armor term terminology? I am a little because there's a nice exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. They have oh. full scale. It's very impressive. But no, it's armor. No, I've never heard of. Ma not mail, coat of chain mail. mail. Oh, chain chain mail. Right. Right. That's right. true. M-A-I-L-L-E. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you have it. Good. All right. It should not be torn. Rashi says, okay, in order that it would not be torn, and the one who tears it transgresses a negative commandment. Yeah. <laughs> don't rip this one. It's funny because like none of the other garments did we find that, don't tear this garment. This one we find a prohibition against tearing it. Okay. For this is counted in the number of negative commandments of the Torah. In other words, it's one of the 365 no-nos of Torah. Likewise, and the Choshen will not move, and likewise they shall not be removed from it regarding the poles of the ark. All of these are negative commandments. Rashi is just kind of filling in some gaps from before, telling us about some of the negative commandments of the Torah that are found with regard to the Mishkan. Okay, pomegranates. Let's talk about the hem. Pomegranates, they were round and hollow, like a sort of pomegranate shaped like hen's eggs. Okay, uh, listen, I, pomegranates, I don't know what hen's eggs look like. Hen's, oh, hen's are like chicken eggs, right? That would be like standard eggs. Right, why am I getting all, uh, all <laughs> flustered with hen's eggs? Literally, hen's eggs is what we know, right? That's the normal eggs. So, okay, uh, pomegranate, like an egg, round-ish shape. That sounds fair, fair to me. Golden bells, um, what's with golden bells? Golden bells with the clappers... <laughs> I love this. With the clappers inside them. Remember the clapper? Clap on, clap on the clapper. Remember the clapper? Turn on your lights. Turn off your lights. Okay, that's not the clapper. This is a different clapper. With the little, uh, I'm sure there's another name for it. The little toggle thing inside a bell, right? The little, yeah, that's inside. So standard, your standard golden bell. In their midst all around, Rashi says, between them all around, meaning between two pomegranates, one bell was attached and suspended on the bottom hem of the robe. So you had pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell. As Rashi says here, a golden bell and a pomegranate beside it. Okay, and, and the Torah says, God says to Moses, he should wear, Aaron should wear this, and then he won't die. Rashi says, from the negative, you deduce the positive. If he has them, these garments, he will not be liable to death. But if he enters when he is lacking one of these garments, not only the hem, any of these garments, if he's missing it, oh, forgot the robe. Uh-oh, he is liable to death by the hands of heaven. No, the court is not going to put him to death for not wearing one of the garments, but God may not be so thrilled. Okay, that is that. Is that. Let's continue. I'm going to toggle Rashi off. Let's move on and deal with and look at the next item, the next uh, um, item of clothing or of apparel. I'm going to call this an accessory. He had accessories. This high priest, he knew how to accessorize. This was only for the high priest, not for the standard Kohanim. 
Just one person known as the high priest would wear this. You shall make a show plate of pure gold. What is a show plate? I mean, I don't think anyone uses that word in conversation. Show plate means a forehead. It's a forehead plate of pure gold. I'm going to show you a picture soon. And you shall engrave upon it like the engraving of a seal. And what should the engraving say? There probably should be another quotation mark right before this. Anyway, holy to the Lord. Kodesh Lahashem. Two words in Hebrew, four words in English, whatever. Kodesh Lahashem. Holy to the Lord. Those are the words that should be engraved in this forehead plate that was worn constantly on the forehead of the high priest. I'm going to stop sharing for a moment and show you this depiction of the forehead plate. Now, you'll see that kind of shimmering thing is a golden forehead plate. The other, the other two lines that go up and down and side to side, those are the straps that hold it to his head. He did not super glue it to his head. No, that was not the plan. It was not like super glue it. It was held, the strap, and a strap around the back, on top and back, and it was like positioned over his head in the front. Kodesh Hashem. Holy unto God. Holy to God. Um, okay, back inside. Let's continue. We're going to do Rashi on this in a second, but let's, 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 let's uh, do a little bit more. And you shall place upon it, and you shall place it upon a cord of blue wool, and it shall go over the cap, and it shall be opposite the front side of the cap. In other words, blue wool straps to go up, and around the side. It shall be upon Aaron's forehead, this golden plate. And Aaron shall bear the iniquity. Look at this. Aaron shall bear the iniquity of the holy things that the children of Israel sanctify for all their holy gifts. What that means is, what does it mean bear the iniquity? Bear the iniquity is he, he's going to atone or, or face atonement for the holy things that the Jews do? Why do you have to, what's the iniquity? Iniquity and holy things don't go together. So as Rashi explains, we'll do it inside in a moment, Rashi explains it means a sacrifice that was offered in an incorrect way. Like, for example, if somebody burned, if a Kohen, if a priest, burned some of the offering in a state of ritual impurity, it's a bit of a no-no, what atoned for that? <coughs> On some level, Aaron, with the forehead plate, somehow was able to arrange atonement for that. <coughs> It shall be upon his forehead constantly to make them favorable before the Lord. Okay, let's do a little Rashi so we get a little, little bit more context about this <coughs> forehead plate. Excuse me. <clears throat> okay. Show plate. Rashi says, it was like a sort of golden plate. Two finger breaths wide, encircling the forehead from ear to ear. Two finger breaths is like this. From ear to ear. It went from here, right, across the front of the head. I feel like um, this Rashi is getting very technical. It's about details about how the straps worked, holding the forehead plate to his head. I think we saw a picture. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm okay with that picture. Um, okay, good. 
It shall be upon Aaron's forehead, and he shall bear the iniquity. What does that mean? This is an expression of forgiveness. Nevertheless, it does not move from its apparent literal meaning. Aaron shall indeed bear the burden of iniquity. Thereby, the iniquity is removed from the holy things. In other words, he's going to get the iniquity and thus will atone and crave forgiveness for the people or the priest. Now, what is the iniquity of the holy things? What does that mean? It means to appease God for the blood and the fat of the sacrifices that were offered up in a state of uncleanliness. As we learn, what iniquity does he bear? If it is the iniquity... Oh, you know what? It's going to get into a... Um, uh, back and forth about what is exactly the iniquity. But we already have the answer in the first sentence. It's blood and fats of sacrifices that were offered up in a state of impurity or uncleanliness, spiritual impurity. So in a case where the priest brought an offering in the, the wrong state of cleanliness, so uh, the high priest would atone for that, and the symbol of such was the forehead plate. I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. You know, people in leadership, especially spiritual, spiritual leadership, the tendency is to pretend like you're perfect. The tendency is to pretend like, oh, like oh, you didn't do anything wrong and no, nothing ever could, could, could go wrong. Um, it's kind of, I don't think we're blaming Aaron, but I think what we're saying is that leadership should wear their mistakes, not even on their sleeve, on their forehead. You make a mistake, own it. Own it. Don't pretend to be perfect. Like who, first of all, it's not true. Second of all, who are you kidding? So instead of pretending, hiding, you know, ducking, th shoving things under the rug or whatever it is, just be open and honest. Be open and honest. Aaron wore a forehead plate to atone, to symbolize the atonement for all the things that the priest got wrong. There you go. There you go. Owning it. Like forehead plate. Yeah. Joy. Um, I, it's, it's, it is very complicated, this reading and everything, yeah. and the Rashi is, but the daily, um, you know, focus, if you go to like the daily wisdom, yeah. is so concise. It's mm. like the outfit that they're wearing is carrying all of the Jewish people, mm. the ones that all of the tribes... And it's like they said, like the back are the ones that have like kind of turned their back, but that we should bring them back in. Interesting. So it's not like we're blaming Aaron. It's like his dress is all of the people and that it I maybe that. expresses unity. But that is from the daily reading. I really like that. Today. I love that. That's great. In other words, you're saying it's like a, like a, like a, it's like a collective. It's like we got everybody. Everybody's, everybody has a place it represented in the garments that Aaron is wearing. The tzaddikim, the not yet tzaddikim, the ones who are doing things right, the ones who are, you know, struggling. Everyone's represented. I like that. I like that. Including ones that brought a sacrifice in a place that wasn't, oh, yeah. And so I, and I think there's one of the words in Hebrew for congregation is tzibur, which is comprised of three consonants, tzaddik, bet, and resh which according to tradition stands for three words. Tzadikim, Bainanim, and Rishoyim. Tzadikim are holy people, Bainanim are like middle, you know, average, and Rishoyim are not so good people. And the point is, at Sibra, a community is made up of all three, right? It a community is as everyone. You don't leave anyone out, even the ones that are struggling. Okay, you're part of the Tzibra, you're part of the community. I think when we embrace that, 
I think I'm just, uh, you know, agreeing with what you're saying. I think when we embrace that, it's a beautiful thing and it's an inspiring thing. It can inspire everyone and it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the right way to look at things. Beautiful. So Rabbi, it's, yeah. it, you would think maybe the high priest and even the king, future kings, would be Sadiq, no? Well, yeah, but I think part of that is being realistic. Even if he's not doing anything himself, that's wrong. But he is representing the people amongst whom there's not perfection. So whether he, you know, the lesson that I was taking before is the idea of people, all of us, including people in leadership, you know, owning our mistakes. Even if you want to say that Aaron himself didn't have mistakes, he was owning the concept of owning mistakes, right? He was basically saying, don't hide from what needs to be fixed. It's better to fix the problem than to pretend there's no problem to fix. Who, who wins when you pretend there's no problem? There's a problem. Let's fix it. Did Tim, the concept of Sadiqim come after? That's what I'm no, the word Sadiqim. No, the word Sadiqim. Yeah, the word Sadiqim. You know, I would consider the patriarch Sadiqim. Obviously, sometimes when you, when, you, uh, when you set that standard, you have to understand certain stories or narratives in the Torah. But it's, there's many commentaries explaining all of these things and, you know, aiding our, our understanding. But yeah, for sure they were tzaddik. For sure. I mean, the big question about Aaron is going to be next week. You know, what extent was he involved with the golden calf? And that's something we'll, we'll have plenty of time to, to explore next week. Um, okay, good. Good discussion. Um, here we go. Oh, look at this. It shall be upon his forehead constantly. Rashi says it's impossible to say that it should always be on his forehead, for it was not on him except at the time of the service. But it means that it will always make them the sacrifices favorable, even when it's not on his forehead. Namely, if the Kohen Gadol, if the high priest was not ministering at the time. Okay, we're going to leave that because Rashi gets into a Talmudic debate. But we'll leave the, the debate aside. So, so far we covered the robe which was made of blue wool with pomegranate uh, de de decorations and little bells at the bottom. We spoke about the show plate or the forehead plate made of pure gold that said Kodesh Lashem, holy unto God. And now we're going to talk about the linen tunic. You shall make, oh, by the way, I should mention, you, who's you? Moses. The Torah doesn't say, and God spoke to Moses saying, like it usually does, it just says you. That's what I'm saying. It's more, even though Moses' name is not mentioned, it's much more direct. You. It's almost like we're in the conversation here. You. God is directly speaking to Moses. You shall make the linen tunic of checker work. A checkered linen tunic. And you shall make a linen cap, matching linen cap. And you shall make a sash of embroidery, embroidery work. A sash is a belt. Okay, so that is the final pieces of. Second. The final pieces of the high priest's uh, outfit. The linen tunic and a linen cap. Let's see if I have a picture of that in my chumash here. I do not. Okay, we'll have to imagine it. A checkered linen, uh, linen, linen tunic and a linen cap along with a sash, embroidered sash. 
Now, for Aaron's sons, let's talk about non-high priests, the, the regular priests, if you will. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics and make them sashes, and you shall make them high hats for honor and glory. Like a taller hat, not a lower hat like the high priest, but a taller hat. With these, you shall clothe Aaron, your brother, and his sons along with him. And you shall anoint them and invest them with full authority and sanctify them so that they may serve me as Kohanim, as priests. Umileisa as Yadam, you shall fill their hands almost. That's the little translation. Invest them with full authority. Fill their hands. Invest them with full authority. They are responsible for what goes on in the temple. Oh, and one more thing. Because we had three garments for the regular priests. We had tunics, we had sashes, and we had high hats. That's three. What's the fourth? Oh, and make for them linen pants. Don't forget the pants. You might be wearing a tunic that goes down or a robe that goes down. to. The... got to wear pants. Make for them linen pants to cover the flesh of their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist down to the thighs. They shall be worn by Aaron and by his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to serve in the holy. So they will not bear iniquity and die. Once again, we have the same idea as we had before. Wear these garments and, you, and they won't die. They shall wear these garments and they won't die, implying that if they don't wear the garments, if they miss any of these garments, it's not going to be good. It shall be a perpetual statue for him, Aaron, and for his descendants, the Kohanim, after him, that means for all time. We don't have a temple today, but if we did, it would still apply. Let's look at Rashi. Okay, what is a tunic of linen tunic of checker work? Make the tunics of boxes, and all of them shall be made out of linen. Okay, so a design. Checkered tunic made out of linen. For Aaron's son, you should make tunics, these four garments. Oh. Aaron's sons get these four garments and no more. Not eight, only four. A tunic, a sash, the high hat, which are the same as the cap, and the pants mentioned below. So those are the four garments. A tunic, like a robe, thing, a belt, a hat, and pants. With these you shall clothe Aaron, Rashi says, with those garments stated in connection with Aaron, a choshen, oh, Aaron, the high priest, gets extra garments. As you know by now, eight instead of four. He gets a choshen, the breastplate. The aphod, which is the um, apron thing. A robe, the blue robe. A checker, oh, sorry, these are all eight. Okay, these are all eight. Choshen, an aphod, a robe, a checker work tunic, a cap, a sash, a showplate, and pants. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, there's your eight. Choshen is a breastplate. A foot is that robe thing that the breastplate is attached to. That's two. A robe is the blue robe. Checker work tunic is like a tunic. Whatever that, yeah, tunic. Another longer garment. A cap for the head. A sash for the belt. Showplate for the forehead. And pants. <coughs> and his sons along with him. With those garments mentioned in connection with him, uh, you shall anoint them with the anointing oil. Invest them with full authority, literally, and you shall fill their hands. So what does that mean? Rashi says, every time it says filling of the hands, it's an expression of initiation. When a person begins something, such as a position, 
that he will be in possession of from that day on. So when you fill a position, oh, oh yeah, here we go. It is referred to as filling a position. Very interesting. Rashi is very uh, poignant over here, I think. When, when, you, when you get a new position, right, you say, you fill the position. You f- what's filled? You filled this, there was a void, you filled it. In old French, when they appoint a person to be in charge of something, the ruler puts in his hand a leather glove. Huh, who would have thought? Puts on leather, a leather glove called guanto, gant in modern French, and thereby he grants him authority over the matter. They call this transmission revestir, invest. Transmit this glove, and this is the expression of filling of the hands. I wonder if they put on the glove, if that's like filling out the glove or just getting the glove. I would imagine putting your hand in it, that kind of uh, conjures the idea of like filling that position, filling that space. And, uh, okay, make for them for Aaron's sons linen pants. Thus we have eight garments for the Kohen Gadol, for the high priest, and four for the ordinary Kohen. These garments shall be worn by Aaron. All these garments shall be worn by Aaron. In other words, those that are appropriate for him. And by his sons, those mentioned in connection with them. The, four, the eight for Aaron, the four for his sons. When they enter the tent of meeting, to the temple proper, and so to the Mishkan, so that they should not die. While lacking the proper garments, is liable by death by the hands of heaven. While? Not while. In other words, we, from this we, un, we deduce that lacking the proper garments is liable by death by the hand of heaven, which we spoke about before. A perpetual statute, that means that the decree is in effect immediately and for future generations as well. The statute is to make invalid the sacrifice of, if any requirement is missing. So anytime a sacrifice is brought and something is missing, like for example, Let's say, for example, the high priest or the regular priest was missing a garment. So, shame on him, but what about the sacrifice that he brought? Well, you guessed it. You guessed it. When the sacrifice is, uh, is brought without one of the garments or any, any situation where something was, was done incorrectly, that the, the sacrifice becomes invalidated. It's, uh, it's automatically null and void. You've got to bring another sacrifice. So imagine... Yankel needs to bring a sacrifice. He hands it off to the Kohen. The Kohen does it, but the Kohen messed up. He wasn't wearing the belt. He thought he had the belt on. He looks down. I didn't have a belt. I didn't have the sash. Got to do it again. Do another sacrifice. It invalidates the sacrifice. That's what it means that it's, a, it's an everlasting commandment. In other words, it's not just a good idea, but it's, it's a make it or break it type of obligation. All right, so what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is, number one, God has a plan of what this thing should look like. It's not random. It's like, hey, build whatever you want. God has a very definitive plan, and God is clearly communicating the plan, which, by the way, is a good lesson in life. Have a vision and articulate it clearly, because if either of these are missing, it's not going to be good. If you don't have a vision, well, then what's going to happen? If you have a vision but can't articulate it, again, it's not going to get done. It's good to have a vision, clarity, and then to be able to clearly transmit it. One message. One message. Another message is, we are what we wear. Right? We are what we wear. And, um, you know, wearing these garments evoked a spiritual grandeur. And as Joy mentioned before, the, the, it was all symbolic. The clothing was symbolic and it meant something. Very powerful. Even today, what we wear means something. 
So just a, a little message about clothing. Another point is, even though the priest and the high priest wore tunics and robes, they still wore pants. The message is, you might be on Zoom. You should still wear pants. I'm kidding. I mean, not kidding, but whatever. That's also, it's also a good takeaway. You know, it's a biblical takeaway about wearing pants. Um, okay, so those are some takeaways. Take it for what it's worth. All right, that, that takes us to the end of today. We're keeping in, uh, we're staying up to date. We're staying current with the readings. So we just did reading three for Tuesday. So we're up to date. Um, I hope this was enriching. I hope you, uh, you enjoyed our discussion today. Tomorrow we're back, same bad time, same bad channel. Wednesday at noon. What I wanted to mention is, actually, hold on one second. I said that very confidently that, to, that we're on tomorrow, but I just remembered that there may be something else going on. Hold on, give me a quick second. Hold on, hold on. Okay, thanks for your patience. Give me a quick second. What time is this? I know I have a session tomorrow, a Zoom session that I'm doing for Jewish Family and Career Services. Question is, when is it? Aha, 11 to 12.30. Okay, so let's do a quick raise of hands. 11 to 12.30. Are you guys okay starting a little bit later? Yeah? Okay, perfect. I'll send that a reminder. Please, God, I'll send that a reminder. But if you find yourself on, for whatever reason, a little bit earlier than 1230, just hang on tight. Know that like, if you're waiting in the waiting room, you're like, what's going on? Hopefully, you'll remember we got, uh, I got this other thing going on. So it should, it should end pretty much at 1230. So um, it should be a, a, a soon start right after 1230. Okay, uh, thanks for the flexibility. Don't forget, tonight is... JLI Meditation from Sunday, as is Thursday in person. Zoom tonight in person Thursday. Join us for that and stay tuned for more exciting upcoming opportunities to be announced really soon. Okay, we'll see you. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Take care. You too. Thanks, Rabbi. Pleasure.